Money FM 89.3, the best of Saturday mornings. Many companies now, because of their CSI and their ESG programs, trying to figure out how to decarbonize. And it's everything from uh, reducing what they, what they do within their, let's say, office or their factory. But increasingly, people are trying to figure out how to decarbonize their supply chain as well, because it's not just enough. Many boards of directors are requiring uh, that they look further afield to figure out how to um, be carbon neutral across their manufacturing and supply chain. Mm-hmm. It's a real problem, right? Because a lot of times you don't know where stuff's coming from or what's happening behind the scenes. Uh, a company called Terrascope uh, looks very closely at doing that, and they uh, try to figure out the how behind decarbonization in the supply chain using data uh, to figure that out as well. We are joined now by the CEO of Terrascope, Maya Hari, uh, who is going to talk to us a little bit more about that. Maya, great to see you. Welcome to uh, Money FM. Great to see you. Thanks for having me, Glenn and Neil. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, give us uh, give us a little more depth on Terrascope and and what what the need is right now and, and how you guys are fulfilling it. Yeah, we, we set out to, to build Terrascope as a as an end to end decarbonization platform. Uh, but if you step back, really, the reason to do this started from wanting to really think about preserving the durability of businesses, uh, where businesses over the last few years have been very focused on financial growth and financial return and not necessarily have thought about what is the long-term impact of the planet warming up, right? Mm. And and whether there is a need to connect the dots between growth of business and, and uh, you know, things like floods that happen or disruptive behaviors like glaciers melting, etc. So in a way, this whole area of focus around ESG and focus around decarbonization has come about to build that type of durability for business. So at Terrascope, what we're doing is we're actually uh, working with large enterprises as well as um, companies that are smaller parts of different uh, supply chains to be able to help them think about what is that journey to be able to go from where you are today to uh, a, a net zero state. And what net zero really means is that you, uh, you're not necessarily adding carbon emissions to, to the world and to the environment over time just through your operations or through your supply chain. So mm-hmm. that's, that's uh, the, the stated intent. How we're doing this is the starting point is that we work with companies to be able to take in a lot of data that exists inside the company today, whether that's financial data, whether that's uh, ERP data or business activity data. And we're taking that and essentially matching it to different emission measurement factors and saying, okay, what is the total emission impact of your company? And where is it coming from in the company or in the supply chain, Mm. Uh, which helps people say, what do I do next? Well, let's focus on that, Maya. You make a fantastic point. Companies can no longer just focus on growth, financial growth for its own sake. It's not sustainable uh, for the planet in the long run. And I'm very interested to know what your thoughts on how you're dealing with the scope one, scope two and scope three elements of the Supply chain. Our friend of the show, Steve Oaken, has spoken about this quite a bit in recent uh, weeks and the role it plays in ESG. Tell us about that. Just recap for our listeners and viewers first what scope one, two, and three mean and why the emphasis will be on scope three. 
Yeah. The, uh, for any company, there are uh, different types of emissions that you're looking at. Scope one is essentially emissions that are directly attributable to operations that you are doing. So it's fairly, you know, in your control to be able to change a lot of scope one emissions. I'm not saying it's easy uh, for manufacturing companies or others, but it's in your control. And this would be things uh, like factories and, and things like that, you know. Exactly. exactly. Okay. Manufacturing, creation of things. Mm. Um, the scope two emissions typically are associated with uh, energy sources, things you're leasing, etc. And so re- the more renewable energy you're using, for instance, put simplistically means you have less scope two emissions versus uh, versus coal-based energy, right, which, has, which is quite carbon intensive. When it comes to scope three, these are indirect emissions you're talking about. So emissions that you don't actually control very easily directly, but comes often from, for instance, from the supply chain. If you're procuring goods, if you're trading goods, um, how do you attribute the emissions to that? And that's sort of the big component of scope three. Now, why is that important uh, and increasingly so is that for a lot of companies with supply chains, scope three actually forms 85 to 90% if not more, mm. of your total emissions. Wow. So if it is that large, how can you ignore it? Right? Mm. You, you cannot really think about getting to a path to net zero if, if 85 90% of your emissions are coming from, from Scope 3. Could you yeah. just give us an example of that, sorry, and yeah. how Terrascope would come into that? Yeah, um, so Terrascope essentially would take in a lot of um, data from, from different parts of the company that already exists. So this is data that you already have, nothing that you're creating new, but ingesting that data and starting to look at what parts of it are coming from where. So let's take about, let's think about uh, scope three emissions, let's say from the supply chain. You might say that you're procuring certain goods from Brazil and you're procuring certain other goods from uh, from Indonesia, and how does the emission of these goods vary by geography, by type of good that you are procuring, and being able to ascribe a carbon number or a carbon quantum of impact uh, of emissions to each of these line items, if you will, gives you the ability to say, where are my biggest hotspots, right? The 80-20 rule that we often talk about in business very much also applies to emissions that we see. Uh, in your scope three emissions, you, you'll often see that a small number of activities that you're carrying out in your supply chain often contribute to a very large proportion of your emissions. And the opportunity there then is once you have a, a dashboard that Terrascope is able to show you with hotspots of where your emissions are largest, how do you now take that and focus on the next step, which is the so what? How do I decarbonize? How do I, what are the actions I'm going to take to reduce that emission next? We're talking with Maya Hari, the CEO of Terrascope. And Maya, do you then go that next step to help them figure out how, once you've figured out what they're doing and, and what their uh, carbon footprint looks like up the value chain all the way to scope three, do you help them figure out how to reduce it then? Or is that, do you p- pass that on to another organization to help them? Because that's a whole nother huge uh, project to, to undertake for many companies. Yeah, I think the the way we look at ourselves as an end-to-end decarbonization platform is you have to start with measuring the Mm. carbon footprint. If you don't measure, honestly, you don't know what you're decarbonizing. But the very quick next step that Terrascope is able to help with is to sort of zone in on which are the specific areas and what would the next best actions be in those areas. Now, you may, you may, it may come out that you're a, let's say a food company and, uh, 
and where you're sourcing from needs some changes in terms of the type of supplier, etc. That downstream action is, is certainly something that the company owns on their own. Um, but we'd also bring in, we work very closely with an ecosystem of partners, right? Um, we would bring in specific pinpoint consultant partners who would then say, what is that boots on the ground solution? If you need to go change the tilling methodology in a farm, how would you do that, right? And that's not something that is Terrascope's expertise, but what we do want is to have all of these initiatives and these actions then tracked back on the Terrascope platform Mm. via these partnerships so that you can track as a company exactly what's going on where in the world in your teams, who's what's working and what's not. And are you actually making progress towards net zero? So I sort of look at us as a technology layer that connects end to end this decarbonization journey. Mm. But, you know, the saying of uh, you want to go far, you go at it together. Right. Yeah. And this is a very large the decarbonization journey is a very large multi-decade journey that requires a collaboration of the ecosystem. And that's the key point, isn't it, Maya, the collaboration. Uh, Slightly more contentious question, do you get the collaboration? I mean, for example, your wonderful tech will highlight the issues with Scope 3, will highlight where they need to decarbonize. But I'm just using any example. Say it was a restaurant chain producing sushi, and they know that the bycatch of sushi alone can kill up to 145 other marine mammals. I'm just using that one example as of the bycatch of the sushi. But they're a sushi restaurant chain. They can only get their food source from the ocean, despite the huge carbon mm. footprint involved. How, what can they realistically do in that situation? Yeah, I think the, I think the fact that you would know that the bycatch is is a big contributor to that emissions would be the starting point. Right. The procurement teams are having to be very innovative in thinking about, therefore, what do you do? Do you find uh, farms and alternatives that are actually uh, more responsibly uh, farming seafood? Do you go to alternatives that are being developed in the market now that are, uh, you know, that are alternative seafood options and things like that? Now, these are things that require a fair amount of time to be able to change an entire supply chain for a sushi restaurant. But if you don't start today, how do you make progress within the next months or years, right? And so so I think that it is a, it is a joint journey, not only between, let's say, the sushi chain and a company like Terrascope, but it's also the other players in the ecosystem who are able to provide those solutions of responsible cultivation or other things like that. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, we're talking with Maya Hari, the CEO of Terrascope, about decarbonization in supply chains. Uh, Maya, where are the, the uh, I don't want to simplify this too much because I know it's very complex, but where are the easy wins, the simple wins, the fast wins uh, in this process? I, I, get, I get that first you have to understand what the scope of the problem is, which is where, where you definitely come in. But for, for our CEOs or our senior managers listening right now, where, where, do, they, where do they start this to get the, the, the quickest, fastest start they can in this process if they've not already started it? And just to add to that, I, I disagree with Glenn here. I think the simple, easy wins are the best way to get the ball rolling. It's when you think oh, it's sure. such a big thing that it's beyond you. It's the simple wins that matter. I agree yeah. completely. Could be, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think everybody needs to feel like there's success along that journey. Yeah. There's, there's progress along that journey, right? And, and I think we, we always start with saying, 
what you don't measure, you don't know how to manage. So I think getting the very first step of getting people to commit to measuring becomes important. Once you actually measure, the very next step becomes, are you going to publicly announce that you are setting mm. a target to net zero, mm. right? Because there's, there's, a, there's a very beautiful thing about getting started on the journey because then you sort of feel like you need to resource uh, with knowledge inside the company and you need to make progress. And so a lot of companies you start to see are on this journey of setting what we call the public targets. One such target is a science-based targets initiative, SBTI. And so you start to see companies set SBTI targets and commit to uh, getting to net zero by 2050. Once you put a public statement out there like that, it's very hard to walk back, right? Then you start to walk the talk and start to say, okay, which are my quickest wins? Is that sort of tackling renewable energy with scope two? Is that actually taking my biggest hotspot in scope three, whether that's packaging for a, for a beverage company and sort of changing that to a more responsible packaging? These are real examples we've seen play out, right? And um, I, I always encourage companies to say, do the first measurement, get comfortable knowing what your baseline is. It's an iterative process. It's a multi-decade process. But the minute you measure, you, you sort of say, I ha comes what's next, right? And then you start to disclose publicly, and then you're on a journey. You're on a journey not just with, with you within the company, but with your customers, with consumers who may be consuming your product, with your bankers and your financiers, uh, with your investors who are all sort of looking at how this journey is going to play out. Yeah. Mm. I mean, on a broadly philosophical level, I'm sure everyone would agree we have to do it. We have no choice. Let's deal with the Kiasu question. The Kiasu boss, yeah, great. How much is this going to cost me? <laughs> Bottom line, I'm not here to save the planet. I'm here to make my company profitable. How do you deal yeah. with that? I mean, you have to deal with that, right? There's mm. no building a business without having a value uh, proposition mm. in terms of a business case. I think the the simple answer that people would like to have is it, it, you can do this cost neutral, right? And often what we see mm. is that there are some low-hanging fruits on the decarbonization journey that could be as such. But generally, it requires an investment of effort, time, and, and resources to be able to do this journey. So unfortunately, it's not as easy an answer that uh, people might like to hear, but I actually flip it to the reverse. What is the cost of not yes, doing this? Absolutely. Right? And and that's when the value equation becomes very, very clear. When you start to see, you know, uh, Singapore as an example, talking about what the long-term carbon tax and the carbon pricing is going to look like, it becomes very clear that you have a, a few years to be able to adjust to the transition but there is going to be a cost of doing business without mm. thinking about the implication to planet. So easier, so easier to get the, going on the journey now in in yeah. measured steps than yeah. have it yeah. hit you over exactly. the head later. Yeah, and and exactly. my just one last quick question: big companies, small companies, can can anybody? I, I get that the huge multinationals would need this and want this, but what if what if it's a, a an SME in Singapore? You know, can they get started on it? And again, will it be something that they can that they can be affordable for them? Yeah, absolutely. Both both the large enterprise and the SMEs are critical. The large enterprises are among the biggest emitters in an economy. So they really need to decarbonize to be able to drive large impact. But who's in their supply chain? It's the SMEs that are in their supply chain who are part of the supply chain. And so the SMEs need to go on this journey too. Uh, we recently announced this week a partnership with uh, DBS Bank as we together try to think about what is 
the support needed for the ecosystem to go um, to go decarbonize and what should be uh, green sustainability linked lending and how does a platform like Terrascope support that journey that a uh, large corporate or a small and medium enterprise needs to go through? Wow. So, Glenn, to your question, I think the answer is both sides of that spectrum uh, need to play that uh, journey. Mm-hmm. And there are different types of solutions for each. But I, I always say there's an investment now, but it's probably a smaller investment than the cost of doing business later. Yeah. Where do they find you, Maya, if they want to get more in- information from Terrascope and what you can do? Yeah, we're on Terrascope.com and we're, we're also on social media on LinkedIn. So very easy to find us on, on either of these two places. Awesome. Maya Hari, CEO of Terrascope. Thanks for being with us today on Money FM. Appreciate it. Great, uh, great effort. Yeah. And we'll check back in with you in the coming months to see how it's going. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Maya. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.